0: Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. All right, welcome in. Cube Show Podcast and College Football Podcast comes to you every Sunday. Talking college football, focus, emphasis on the Southeastern Conference. And we know SEC Media Day is coming up this week, so it's going to be a big one. We're going to try to get to you live around 4.35 o'clock every day from SEC Media Days on the YouTube channel. So go ahead and lock in there uh, at Cube Show 61 If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, we appreciate it. Uh, growing a little bit on the YouTube, we're just this little baby podcast here, trying to make things happen, trying to grow a little bit. Uh, I know a lot of you guys have asked for graphics, a couple of you. Um, some of you have asked for uh, the bookmarks. I, I got it. John's going part-time here with the other 27 podcasts he does, and I'm just trying to give you some good content. So we'll try to figure some stuff out down the road, but right now, man, we're just trying to get in front of you and tell us what we know about college football. So, uh, but we will try to do some live shows from SEC Media Days every afternoon, have probably a different guest sit down with me and just kind of go through what we've learned, what we liked, what we didn't like, the whole deal. So, um Kind of got to be a little bit of a busy week, not just leading into SEC media days, of course. Uh, Auburn linebacker DeMario Tolan is off the team. Um, i tell you, this really makes getting Austin Keys from Ole Miss a pretty big get. And you went and got another linebacker from North Texas that you didn't feel like maybe was necessary because you had Tolan and Cam Riley and a couple of others. Now that looks like a really big pickup for Hugh Freeze. So Tolan had a couple of personal things, uh, just things not going according to plan there in Auburn. I hated for him. Hope things come together, hope he finds his way down the road because I know he's super talented. The folks at LSU told me that, and I know the folks at Auburn thought that as well. Uh, but from a depth perspective, I do think it's a pretty big hit to that Auburn defense. Uh, Tennessee, obviously, NCAA levels down their sanctions with the Vols. Um, they do miss a bowl bin, which I think is big. You always want the opportunity to play for that. What if you put together an amazing season? You're not able to go to a great ball game like Tennessee did last year, so that's good. You want every goal possible to be there towards the end of the season. Eight million dollar fine could be up close to nine million by the time it's all said and done, which would be the most uh, th- I believe it has been recorded for these penalties. And who cares? One person can stroke a check for that. It doesn't matter. It's not a big deal. It's not going to impact anyone. Just like vacating wins are not going to impact anyone. Uh, one of the dumber things the NCAA does, and there are plenty of them, but you vacate wins. Like who? Who gives a shit? Like it doesn't. It doesn't matter that they happen. We watch them. Like you can vacate them, but we saw it happen. So uh, I don't really know how I would handle it, if there's another way to handle it, but just the fact that you go back and vacate wins, I think is stupid. Those are going to be 11 wins from 2019 to 2020. So they're they're going to be gone, and no one's going to get their feelings hurt. No one's going to care. It's not going to matter. Um, so you also get show cause for Jeremy Pruitt, uh, Brian Niedermeyer, Shelton Finn, and Drew Hughes. Uh, Pruitt gets six years. Um, it felt like a lot to me but I feel like the NCAA had everything in place to be able to go out and do this. I mean, this was egregious. This was middle fingering the NCAA in a lot of ways with the way these things were handled. So I'm not sure they feel like they really have a choice here. And when the NCAA is not able to levy penalties or control like this day and age, when they do have something they can control and they can't slam their own hammer and it's going to actually matter. I think they're going to go find ways to do it. This is more proof of that. Um, Nothing super surprising to me. I think it does show you Tennessee went above and beyond to cooperate and did a lot of due diligence behind the scenes in a lot of different ways with people that are involved in that athletic department to try to mitigate some of the things down the road that would affect now Josh Heupel and his football players, which, again, shouldn't happen, but there's not a lot of other ways you can manage that. Uh, The big takeaway, I mean, some of the things that Phil Fulmer said, some of the names that he had – On his list of potential coaches, a few of them are in the SEC now, like Billy Napier and Hugh Freeze, Um, but there are a couple there that were kind of like, huh? Uh, Some of those would have been great, like Elko and Duke would have been awesome. A couple of those obviously have not looked great yet, Uh, but the Brian Niedermeyer stuff is just incredible, Uh, and Niedermeyer's an awesome guy. I think he's a really nice guy. I've been around him plenty. He's a good dude. Obviously, the way he was handling some things should have been happening, but Um, number one, to say that, uh, you, you keep a bank account with your parents still, because that's why you kept cash and didn't put it in there because you didn't want them to see it. Like, um, is a sponsor on my show on jocks in Birmingham, and they have an account designed just for teenagers to learn how to manage their money and get things going. So if we need to hook Niedermeyer up with that, uh, we'll gladly find a way to do that um also having an extravagant girlfriend that likes to go out and likes to spend money on things trying to hide that allegedly (laughs) is is fantastic uh and then your nightlife obviously getting in the way too another reason that you need uh more more cash on hand and weren't able to put in the bank so mom and dad couldn't see it i mean listen we know what's going on we know what's happening yeah you got to try to hide some of it you can't just come correct with all of it uh especially if you want to try to continue to keep coaching one day but if you haven't seen all the details on it, go check it out because it's just—it's completely nuts. All right, so leading into media days, I figure I want to talk a lot of O line stuff this week. And the more people I talk to, they're like, "Nah, save that. We need you to know, talk about the teams heading into media days. Kind of where you like them, where you see them." Um, I don't—I don't really do like power rankings throughout the course of the of the season. Honestly, I don't have time to do that because uh, you guys know what we do during the season. We come in. And we're going to give you the X's and O's after diving into all the tape on Sunday of what happened. So maybe we'll get these to you at the end of the year, uh, but I don't know. I'm going to go power rankings for SEC teams, kind of how and why, heading into SEC media days in Nashville, where we will be live uh, trying to bring you a show every afternoon with a different individual. We're always brought to you by Wickles Pickles. And they'll be there with us in Nashville. We'll take some up there, have them to snack on. They are delicious. They are wonderful. We love Wickles Pickles. I've seen a couple of you guys tweeting in photographs in the grocery store of you picking up a jar. Keep doing that. Keep sending them in because we appreciate you and we appreciate Wickles. All right, let's get right to it. Cube Show SEC power rankings heading into SEC media days. Number one, Georgia. Um, It's not really debatable for me. I don't know why anybody would debate this. I know my guy, Wes Blankenship, is really going to hate this uh, because you know, he obviously thinks that that we all picked Alabama number one, not only in the SEC power rankings, but I think in the global football community power rankings, is I believe what he had that as. So, uh, always enjoy Wes's stuff online. But Georgia, this is not just a collection of five-star players. And and I do hear more and more people. That frustrates me a little bit. I hear more and more people that when they talk about Georgia, they say, well, they just got all the five stars. All right, that's, that's cool. Not every five star works out. Like, not every five star becomes a baller and goes out there and just crushes it, especially in the SEC. So I, I think you've got you've got a lot of guys that are proven. And even though up front on the defensive line, I'm not as excited about them as I have been and haven't seen the guys flash the way that I did before them, it's not like Mike Hill Williams. I, don't, I think he's going to be a great player. Uh, Dumas Johnson, proven at linebacker. you got a proven corner, a proven safety. Uh, The offensive line, for the most part, is proven. Uh, Absolutely proven at tight end or running back or H or Y, wherever they're going to move Brock Bowers, beyond proven. And the majority of that receiving core is proven. Some at Missouri and Mississippi State, some at Georgia, but they are proven. And that's going to be a deep group with multiple playmakers that can line up in different places. So, yes, the way Georgia has recruited is going to help, Is Carson Beck just going to be a star in the SEC? I don't know the answer to that. Uh, Do I have mild concerns about running back? Sure. Do they have to have Todd Gurley to win the SEC this year? No, I don't think so. Uh, The O-line is going to be good. The tight end group is going to be good because you throw in Delp and company there with Bowers. The Receiving core is probably best in the league, Uh, one of the best in the nation. The defensive line is still going to be solid. The front seven with those linebackers are going to be really good. And obviously the DBs are going to be able to help cover that up. The scheme that Schumann and Kirby and Muschamp put together is fantastic. So, and they'll have time because of the schedule to work it out. Keep in mind here, I'm not picking where teams are finishing. So we're not going to talk a ton about the schedule right now. We'll do that as we get closer to the season. These are just as, as football teams, kind of where I think these teams would fall. Uh, number two is going to be LSU. Yes, it was close between LSU and Alabama. But right now, with a more proven quarterback, a more proven commodity there at quarterback, I'm obviously gonna go with LSU because I think that's gonna be the team that is gonna be closest to Georgia as of today. Keep in mind with LSU, what they will have the best of when they're operating in most games. LSU will have in a lot of games, not every game, but a lot of games in the SEC, most they'll have the best quarterback on the field. Um, If they are not playing South Carolina, I think they'll have the best individual wide receiver on the field. Uh, They'll have the best pair of defensive tackles on the field. They'll probably have the best defensive player on the field. Um, Other than maybe Georgia, depending on what happens with BIM or A&M, they're probably going to have the best offensive line on the field. So LSU is going to have a lot of best when they play everybody. Super talented, year two, don't need that four or five game process to figure out what we are, who we are, who operates best here. They've got a lot of that figured out. Now they can just add to that, stack to that. And I think they've got much better depth in some places. And they have quarterback depth. We don't spend a lot of time talking about that going into seasons. But folks, quarterback depth is real. I mean, let's look at some college football teams here of the last couple of years in the SEC. Auburn got hit with quarterback injuries. Um, Alabama last year, Jalen Milrow against Texas A&M. You lose Bryce Young, it's a pretty big step down. A&M had some quarterback depth that they had to deal with last year. If you can get somebody who can plug in and be close or get you through a week or three, that's massive. And we just don't spend a ton of time talking about that going into seasons. Alabama will be number three, though. And we stated stayed with our best players at each position and we talked about edge defender and Dallas Turner. Um, you know, we, we talked about at guard with Tyler Booker. You got two centers on the field, uh, former centers in 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 Dallas in Dow Court and McLaughlin. So I think the brain power that you bring to that offensive line could be pretty good. Uh, the receiver core, I think, collectively is solid. Jaheim Otis, at any point in time could be the best defensive tackle on the field. And they have a couple of guys, like an off-the-ball linebacker. And, you know, maybe a freshman safety, a freshman offensive tackle that if they work out, if they pan out, it's got a chance to be really good. But we just don't know. And that's going to be the biggest point of emphasis, I think, on this entire discussion today is especially once we get past probably four, uh, the unknowns and just how big are they? I think you just have to weigh what we know and don't know and what we think the unknowns, like the ceiling and the floor is there. It's, it's hard to do sometimes. Alabama's floor is not very far down. It's not very low. And regardless of quarterback, you think about what they're going back to on offense this year. I mean, they're going back to ground and pound. There will be an emphasis on the run game. This is not going to be a quarterback's decision or option or read whether or not he wants to hand the ball off or throw it. Tommy Reese is going to run the ball. Like That's going to be part of what they do, and they're going to be called runs that no matter what the front is, they want to lean on somebody and go take that emphasis and take the fight to them. So that's going to be a part of what Alabama is this upcoming season. I'm excited to see it. And that offensive line obviously has to come together for them to be really good at. But you got multiple backs to choose from, including a freshman that may end up being spectacular. Maybe you use them rotationally. You get C.J. Diffie from Maryland at tight end. I think Amari Naglach can be the move tight end. You do some creative things with. Robbie Uts is there sort of your, your dirty work guy. Alabama's going to be fine. Do they have the high-end, you know, game-breaker guys offensively? No, but the offense might not be designed for that. And defensively, I do think Kevin Steele is going to back off just a little bit. It won't be quite as aggressive, and I think collectively that will help some. It won't put them in as bad of positions, and they'll be able to disguise a few more things on the back end. Uh, Texas A&M is going to be at four. Now, I I think anybody who listens to this show knows that I've made multiple comments the last couple weeks of, it right, Really, since the entire off season culture problem, is it there? I, I don't know the answer to that. Um, I'm not there every day. I'm not around the guys. I don't talk to the guys. And, and honestly, I, I don't know if there's one individual that you could ask, whether it was Damian Craig, Jimbo Fisher, Evan Stewart. Like, I don't know if you could just say, hey, is there a culture problem here? And honest to God, they know because a culture problem is so internal. That's why I think it hits so hard and it's so difficult to overcome when you do have it that there are a lot of people that are just walking around and handling their business that don't see it and don't know it. Um, I don't think that is real at Texas AM. and um, I think last year they, they did have some behavioral problems with certain individuals, more than two or three. And I also think that they had some injury issues that caused a lot of problems. So now I, I'm, I'm on record saying the Petrino thing will work. Having Jim and in there also going to help. I think that's super underrated on that side of the football they got a lot of offensive brain power, talented quarterback who's played, a talented offensive line who has played good football in the past, and a really good group of wide receivers. On defense, pick your guy Walter Nolan, Isaiah Rakes, McKinley Jackson. Like they can just move guys around all over the place and they have multiple players that can be dominant up front. Do I love the linebackers? No. Do I love the DBs collectively? No. Yeah, you have one really good safety, but there are other parts that are going to need to be plugged in transfer here, transfer there, Kid from North Carolina, maybe a corner, but I'm not sure about the second, third level. Like I was watching the Ole Miss game again uh, earlier this week and I just noticed how they went out and they're, they're lined up three down. And all the linebackers are way off the ball early on. It's like Judkins just boom, boom, <laughs> boom, boom, boom. And I'm thinking like, what? How can that happen? Like what? And so there just, there were some things last year that didn't make a lot of sense. And if that gets you know, taken care of, if that works itself out a little bit, then I I think we could see a pretty massive jump from Texas A&M this year. Now it gets tricky. And now a lot of you are going to get pissed off. And there's no way not to piss people off with where the SEC is right now. Because honestly, the next group of teams, probably the next eight, I think could all rotate with one another. I mean, I think they could all shift and, and go different places. I'm going Kentucky at five. And I know people don't like that, and people won't want to hear that. But if we point to Kentucky last year, what was the problem? Offensive line. I mean, that was about it. Now, you lose a really good running back, but you plug in Ray Davis, another good running back. Those freshman receivers that were really good, they're a year older. Well, now you bring in an offensive coordinator that's going to make life easier getting them the football and finding matchups for them, and – he's going to have a scheme that's a little better suited for an offensive line that might just be a bunch of glass eaters. Uh, Liam Cohen's addition is huge. Brad White, I saw those analytics guys, uh, Dave Bartoo and those dudes, had him as the best defense coordinator in the SEC. If you listen to the show, once again, we have said that time and time again, Brad White is vastly underrated. They're going to have a solid front seven, off-the-ball linebacker, edge defender. Like, I think Weaver can have a pretty good season. Do I have a little bit of concern about the middle of the defense? Comparatively, yeah, from a depth perspective, maybe. DBs, maybe not as tested as we've seen some other groups under Coach Stoops, but they can work around that. Um, I think they have enough talent up front on defense, and I think they have enough talent at receiver, running back, and quarterback. And I see all these preseason quarterback things, all these preseason SEC deals And there's almost no conversation about Devin Leary. And I'm here to tell you guys, the kid can fucking play. If he's healthy and he's upright, he can play. So it comes down to the offensive line. You go get a transfer from USC. You go get a transfer from Northern Illinois, who I think is going to be plug and go play. You move some guys around with Horsey and Eli Cox back. And you have a little bit of a new scheme that I think will help them be better. Keep in mind, when they had this scheme a couple of years ago, yes, different players, but they were better at it. So, if the tight ends come around, also will be a massive help for Kentucky. But I just think the blueprint is still there for Stoops of being hard-nosed, of uh, being a bunch of grinders that will just fight you, and that's not going to go away. Add in some of the things that they've got, I think Kentucky's next. I'll go Tennessee after that. So, Tennessee comes in for me at 6. They still have that system. They still have talented wide receiver. Like, if, if this kid from Oregon can go like Hyatt, like some people tell me inside that facility that he can, Well, maybe it's not going to be much of a drop-off at all. I am worried about the offensive line because Darnell Wright was incredible last year. You lose your two best offensive linemen. Now you get some back. And John Campbell from Miami is a guy that they have a lot of confidence in. And maybe he plugs in and he's great and he's solid. I do think Tim Banks does a good job with the defense. I just don't think there's a ton to work with over there. Uh, Up front, a little bit more stout, maybe a little bit deeper on the defensive line. One edge rusher as opposed to two that you're really confident in. But you could get a playmaker at linebacker for BYU who's got to come in and be a takeover guy at times. And Peely can be that guy. We just haven't seen him do it here in this uniform. So I think the defense is still a big maybe and a big might or could. But there are still parts of it that I'm very concerned about. And then, too, I will just say, like with Joe Milton, I I think the inconsistencies will arrive. That doesn't mean every game. Uh, That doesn't mean multiple times a game. I'll say this about Joe. Milton. Like this is kind of how I see Milton in this offense. I think Joe Milton will throw for 500 yards multiple times this season. I think Tennessee will drop a game or two that nobody expects them to. Th- that's just, it's kind of how you're still playing with this thing when you haven't been able to build all the parts exactly the way that you want and all the parts aren't able to go the way that you want, as far as the alignment and as far as some of the motions and the shifts and the different personnel groupings go in different places. It's just going to be a little while longer to have all that in place. Tennessee's going to be good. They're going to be a really good football team. But they're going to be outstanding at times, and they're going to be above average at times. I just think that there will be some peaks and valleys with what they're going to be this year. Um, but I do think that the inconsistencies at some point will catch up. Um, I'm going to go Ole Miss at seven. Now, a lot of this is maybe wishful thinking or could have, might. I don't know. I've gone through multiple times about what they added inside a defensive tackle. And you get a big boy from NC State that can play. You get a big boy from Nebraska who can play. You hope that your athletic, tight end, um, you know, Wildcat quarterback, J.J. Pagese, is morphing more into a defensive lineman. And if he can be a better help in the middle as a defensive tackle and not just an athlete, he's only going to help Pete Golding's defense even more. You went and got one of the best edge rushers available, and Isaac Okwu. And I think he's going to come in and give you more of an edge presence. you got a couple guys that gave you a decent presence off the edge as far as pass rush was concerned last year. But here's the thing to remember about the Ole Miss defense. It probably won't be great. That's okay. Pete's structure is going to make it better, more responsible against the run, no matter what. And now they have the bodies up front, maybe more collectively than they've had in quite some time. Like I I can't remember Ole Miss going like three deep with big D tackles inside that could be a problem. One, two, maybe, but three, not really. Uh, And like I said, I played against Kendrick Clancy. Like, I watched Kim Dietschy. Like, I watched Benito Jones. But I think they have more deep down in the middle of that defensive line than they've had in a while, and that's going to be a big help. I think Jackson Darton has a big season. Judkins is the best running back returning in college football. You went to the portal and you got your wide receivers. And listen, Charlie and Lane are going to get guys open no matter what. But as we stated a couple of weeks ago in our you know, biggest transfer additions and how they matter, Caden Priestcorn is the guy. Like He is the one that's going to make the biggest difference. And him and Trig together can make a massive difference. So now you got a big-time back who they apparently are going to throw the ball to more out of the, back for the backfield this year, which is going to be more dangerous. You have two different type tight ends, both that can help you be successful in different ways. And you ain't got Zakari Franklin and a couple of other guys are going to help take care of your issues at wide receiver, which by the way, the kid from LaTeX, I think is going to have a bigger year. That's just me. So they fill a lot of voids. They're used to playing it this way. They're used to managing it this way. Um, the end of the season last year wasn't great, but if I look at him against all these other teams, we're getting ready to name next. I'll throw a little miss up there. I'll go South Carolina at eight proven quarterback, proven defensive line. And just because they're not elite or, or Georgia or Alabama's defensive line doesn't mean that they're not a good defensive line. Like Boogie Huntley, Tonka Hemingway, those guys have played a ton of snaps. Jordan Strachan coming back and Mo Caba coming back are going to be massive. You go to Syracuse, you get another edge defender that can help you out up on the front. So I like the front seven for South Carolina. If they're all back, they're all healthy. So it's not like the back end hadn't played. So I think defensively, Charles White's got a lot to work with, and that group's going to be solid. I'm worried about the offensive line, plain and simple. Um, I love the fact that you have a former quarterback wide receiver that's just playing running back now that can give you all those different things and all that versatility with what you're going to be able to do, and I don't think that position is going to be really bad. Trey Knox, massive add at tight end because we know they're going to use that position. We know they're going to move it around. We know they're going to get you the throwbacks. They're going to get you some of those bootlegs and things like that, and the RPO game can involve the tight end. He will be big for this South Carolina offense. I just think with a proven quarterback, the best receiver in the conference, a tight end that's proven in this league, um, a couple of guys in the backfield that have legitimate playing time and a front seven that should be really good, a defense that should be really good, by the way. South Carolina should be fine. And once again, this is not schedule or wins losses. This is just where these teams are as far as how I see them right now. I'll go Arkansas at nine. I have my concerns, but there's a lot that I think that I like. KJ, Rocket, love them. Love them both. I think they're two of the better players at their positions in the country. Uh, the offensive line, even though Cody Kennedy does a great job, you've had a couple of hits in a row now from guys leaving. And do you just continue to plug and go? We'll see. Uh, the wide receivers are good in the spring game, but don't know a ton about them other than that. I don't have a ton of... I haven't seen a ton else that has built a lot of confidence in exactly what they're going to be in a new offense. And I do think we have to take that into consideration. Like Dan Eno's a bit of a quarterback whisperer. I think he can help KJ be better in different ways than he's been in a while, but that doesn't just mean right away that it's going to work and it's going to be fantastic. So, I mean, it's just getting to media days to talk to Coach Pittman about that. Like, what's it going to look like? What are the core runs going to be? What do you want to be? What do you want to do? What do you want to look like? What's tempo going to be like? Because we've seen Dan Adel's be heavy quarterback run. We've seen him be pro style. He's been a lot of things. So don't really know exactly how that's going to appear. And similar to what I said about Pete Golding and Ole Miss against the run, like I think Travis Williams' defense is just going to make Arkansas more responsible, period. Like, it's going to be fewer big plays given up. Now, it doesn't mean collectively that they're just going to, you know, be a top-ten defense now because I don't think they have the bodies to do that. Um, you do have a corner coming in from Georgia that's going to be a lot of help and I think be a big-time player. Um, for a while there, it was like, do you have that nose guard? And, you know, Ridgeway came in and you, you kept finding that guy. And that was really all you needed. Now it's going to be different. But is there a takeover player kind of like a Drew Sanders on this defense? That's what I worry about because it was experienced linebackers for a while, nose guard for a minute, then Drew Sanders kind of takeover guy. Who's who's who goes over there and just dominates? Do they need that? I don't really know. I know what Travis's defense is gonna look like, and I know he likes a lot of the guys that he has, but I'm just interested to see it out of the gate and see how it looks. I just I feel like this is gonna be a team that leans on star power offensively, if it tries to do it on defense, they could potentially get in a little bit of trouble. But I love the head coach. I love both coordinators. And I love the experienced guys they do bring back because they're big-time college football players. Um, I'm going to go Auburn at number 10. And I already know what's coming from this, so comment away. Have at it. Don't care. Um, what Auburn has done in the portal versus what their systems are going to look like and how they're going to want to run things has a chance to be really good. Uh, do they have the depth to survive multiple injuries? They do not. Is everybody super comfortable in this system? They are not. So a lot of the same questions we've said with other teams are also going to be present with Auburn. But Peyton Thorne's a dude. He can play. Uh, I think you've got multiple receivers that are going to be able to help you. Jair Shorter's a dude. Like, he's 6'2". He's put together. He can high point the football. He can run past corners. Like, he is a guy. Rivaldo Fairweather doesn't get a ton of conversation, but I promise you, he's a dude at tight end. Not afraid to get in there and mix it up and block. He can line up in the slot. He can beat DBs in one-on-ones. He's going to make plays. Uh, Jarquez Hunter is going to be out there and going to be playing football. I'm pretty confident in saying that right now. Uh, And then on top of that, I think Brian Batiste is a guy who you can move, throw the ball to, you can screen him, you can go two-back with him, and you can do a lot of different things to make that difficult to defend. Obviously, it's going to come down to guys like Dylan Wade and guys like Avery Young who have transferred in from ECU and from Tulsa And a couple other transfers, like Gunnar Britton from Western Kentucky, can they figure the offensive line out? Because Justin Rogers is going to help up front on defense. You brought in an edge defender that's better than anybody that you had. You brought in some other linebackers that are going to also help. The secondary is fine. Secondary is in good shape. And not many people give Auburn maybe the credit they deserve for what that secondary has a chance to be, but that group is going to be fine. You get good edge presence from even one side, and you get a little more stout against the run in the middle, that Auburn defense, they might be okay, and, and they might be fine. So I'm not overly concerned about it, and I know I have Auburn over a couple of teams that some people wouldn't, but also think year one, Hugh Freeze has some advantages that maybe some other year ones don't, just because he's done it, and he's been really good when he's done it at other places. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean a little bit advantage freeze there when we talk about it that way. All right, number 11, I'm going to go Florida. Some of this is overall talent. Some of this is I like the system. Some of this is year two in the system. <laughs> Listen, I, I love a billion those guys run offensively. I think it's very quarterback friendly. That's why I'm not pissing my pants over what Graham Mertz did in the spring game. I think he's going to be okay. If you actually dive into a couple of those throws, the accuracy that he kept on the move was something you should have paid a little bit more attention to. Graham Mertz is not going to fail this year. Now, does he have the wide receivers collectively to put together a massive year? No. Um, are they going to ask him to throw the ball enough to put together a massive year? No. I think Montrell Johnson is a really good tailback. And then you have ATN that you can kind of double up on if you want to go with some two-back stuff or as a nice change-up to give you a little bit more burst. Uh, I don't think the wide receiver position is deep. I really don't. Uh, But I do think you have one or two that can be matchup problems. I think you have an offensive line that now understands the scheme, the system. Did you lose your best guard? You did. You got a good center coming back in Kingsley Bikwe, who I think can help you there, who knows how to manage things, run things, get the point, determine the double teams. He can do all that. So all, I, I can tell you going into the zone scheme, when we were at Auburn and Tuberville came in with Noel Mazzoni, like year two, totally different deal, totally different deal. The field, the understanding, the steps, the footwork, the technique, the hand placement, the hat placement, like it's all different for those guys. Defensively, I love Austin Armstrong. Uh, I think he is a great teacher of defense and can appear to be very complex. He gives you a lot. But for some reason, his guys get it, which tells me he's a good teacher, not just a good coach. And I think that's very critical in today's football because the pieces are constantly interchanging. You gotta be able to teach guys what to do. And more importantly, not just how to do it, but why they're doing it. Austin can do that. So I just don't know how many dupes they have. Like, I like the Cam Jackson get from Memphis. He's gonna be fine. We know the middle of the defense should be okay. Um, And Princely should be fine off the edge, but there have been times that he's disappeared as well. So I, second, third level, is there talent, is there ability? Yes. Um, maybe I'm comparing it to other Florida defenses. That's why I'm having a hard time liking it. But just there's, there are a lot of big steps that need to be taken. And it doesn't feel like there were enough flashes from those guys that showed us they're going to arrive and they're going to be there. It's, it's going to be better than people think. I just don't know if it's going to be better than a lot of these other football teams. Um, 12th, I'm going to go Mississippi State. And I'm going to be honest, I just didn't even like putting him here because there's so much that I like about this team. Uh, I like Zach Arnett. I mean, he's going to be fine as a head coach, but he's still a first-year head coach. Not everything is going to go well. Not everything is going to go right. Um, You've got a quarterback coming back. But is we, we know that not every quarterback can be a fit for the air raid. Can every air raid quarterback be a fit for other offenses? We know the answer to that is no. Uh, now, how do they make it look? How much can they carry over? Uh, what's the run game going to look like? What's the screen game going to look like? What's the bootleg game going to look like? Is there going to be an RPO world that they try to live in? Like These are questions we just don't have answers to. And the coaches can sit there and tell you things in the press conference. Like let, let me Let me just try to help with one thing here real quick. Every coordinator, every head coach can sit there and give you things in a press conference that they're going to do or they want to do or they need to do or they would like to do. But the reality is until they get out there and practice it right before that season, They don't know what the fuck they're going to do, and they don't know how they're going to do it. Now They have a pretty good idea, and they have things that they want to do. It feels like they should be able to do, but I can promise you, there are going to be things in every camp on every team that we mentioned that are going to get shit-canned once they get going in fall camp. almost said two days, and those aren't a real thing anymore. They're going to throw things out. Like Auburn should have been running stretch zone 20 times a game the last two years. Well, once they try to get it going in fall camp, they realize they weren't good enough to do it. So out it goes. Last year, a little bit more of it. But there are going to be things. Ask any college football player how many times a week they practice something and didn't run in the game. Offense or defense. It's going to be a lot. There are always things that were there. And so, yes, yeah, some you're holding, some's going to be for later. But some things the coaches didn't have confidence in it because you weren't good enough in practice at it. So, it, what a coach says they want to do or are going to do or how it's going to be, that's not going to be definitive until they practice it as they're preparing to do it in a game. That's just the reality of it. Um, I like the D line. I think the linebackers will be fine. Secondary a little iffy, we'll see. How, How aggressive is the defense? Is the defense any different? Um, I have said before, I do think it can be good for Zach Garnett not to be right there at the controls all the time and maybe step off of it and say, man, we, we don't need to bring all that pressure all the time. We don't need to be that group all the time. I think they have good offensive linemen, but they, do they have good offensive linemen running counter? Do they have good offensive linemen running outside zone? Don't know. What's tight end going to be? I don't know. I do know Jaquavius Marks is a really good running back. You know, I know Will Rogers is a really good quarterback. I know Jaden Wally's is a good wide receiver. Not only are people talking about him right now, which is weird, but there are also some big pieces that are gone, including the biggest piece. And so I just – it's wait and see. And it's almost like I want it to be good, but it's just a, I don't know. And there's a lot of it that I'm kind of waiting to find out about how it's going to be. Uh, Missouri will be 13. Quarterback's a big part of this. I think the defensive line, the front seven is going to be pretty good, uh, just like they were last year. I think Blake Baker calls it well. I think he understands what it's going to take. I think he understands how to compensate for maybe not having as much talent in certain spots, and he gives you problems. Uh, offensively, you lose one of your biggest weapons. Dominic, love it. But I do think Luther Burden to the slot makes a ton of sense. He'll get more targets. He'll get more balls, and he can be super explosive. I like the group of tailbacks. I like the tackles. You guys have heard me say Javon Baker at left. I think he's the most NFL-ready tackle right this second. Are there other guys with more ability that are probably passing? Yes. But right now, He's the one that's most battle-tested and has the most positive snaps on film of any other tackle in the league. It will not be that way at the end of the year, but it is right now. So I love their scheme. Uh, I love the backs. I think you have a good receiver. I think you're bringing one in that might help from Oklahoma and Theo Weiss, but don't know. And there just, there feels like a little bit of a hump that that Eli and company have got to try to get over. Like just, just finding a way to overcome some of the adversity and obstacles. And I thought the Georgia game was a great example of that last year. Like, you had that one in your grasp. Like, you get over some of these humps and obstacles, you're going to get games like that, and they're going to be yours. You're going to own them. You're going to win them. And things are going to be different. It can change the program. So Vanderbilt finally at 14. You got your quarterback. You got your number one receiver. But some big losses. Edge defender, tailback, secondary. Um, I think Clark Lee's doing a fantastic job. You, know, you can say what you want about quarterbacks that were in the game or turning the ball over or what the teams were when they got them. None of us had them winning five games last year and being sitting there playing Tennessee with a chance to be eligible last year. Not a single one of you did. Nobody did. We, I think their total was two and a half. So like, we were debating, could they get the three? Literally at this point last year, debating, could they get the three? And, you know, they had a couple others that they were in as well. So I'm anxious to see how it looks this year because last year it was – Kind of bad. I mean, Mike Wright got him a couple of those. So you got to give him a ton of credit. He's at state now. I don't even know how state's going to use him, but I'm interested to see it. So it's, it's a, I, I do think it's the long play with Vanderbilt. And I think Clark is heading in the right direction. He's got those arrows pointed in a positive way, but I just don't know if they have the bodies, especially what they lost to be able to go out and be more competitive this year than they were the season ago um also don't forget blue delta jeans custom denim premium denim for you It will fit them to your body and you're going to want to wear them all the time because they're comfortable they're stretchy and they're cool so they're not super thick and they're going to be even decent to wear in the summer now nobody wants to wear any jeans in the summer around here it's going to be like 105 heat index today but the blue Deltas will be a lot better than the other ones out there and if you want jeans you can dress up dress down perfect gift for the man in your life blue tell nick and the guys you heard about him right here on cube show thanks for all the support uh things are growing just a tad we're still just a little baby podcast and we're never going to try to act like we're more important than we are we're much more concerned with just delivering decent content to you guys on a weekly basis please follow instagram twitter at cube show youtube click subscribe leave a comment tell us how bad we were we don't care at cube show 61 is where it is and remember sec media days we're going to try to go live 435-ish um, on SiriusXM XM till 4, Tuesday, Wednesday, and until 2 on Thursday. Maybe try to get you something on Thursday before we get out of there. So I want to try to bring that to you, though, with the different friends that we're going to have that are there. Talk some ball with them. It'll be fun. It'll be cool. But once again, we always appreciate you tuning in. Thanks to Wickles and Blue Delta for sponsoring the show. We'll be back with you not next Sunday, but live from SEC Media Days.